The 90s were an exciting time to be alive. The world as we knew it was about to end. Technology is on the precipice of opening up everything and bringing us together like nobody could have dreamed before. Yes, the 1890s were a hell of a time to be alive. But right now it's 1996 and I've got a date with a guy named Dimitri on Woodward Avenue. But I'm getting ahead of myself. And we haven't even been properly introduced. How rude of me. My mother would be furious if she could see what I've become. And that's fun to imagine. (laughs) Anyway, my name is Tori, Clan Toriador, and tonight is about to get out of hand. I was born in 1871 as the daughter of lower middle-class parents who had no idea how to manage a free spirit that wanted nothing more than to get out of Kansas City and live her life. They thought roping me to their religion would be what tethered me to the ground, but instead I cut that rope and went straight for the door. I ran away from home at 13 and headed south to Texas, where I got on with a pack of outlaws known as the Abilene Raiders. I was young, naive, pretty. Those raiders thought it was hilarious that I cussed more than they did though, so they let me hang around and play the damsel in distress to get wagons to slow down for holdups. Ran with that gang for about half a decade and I learned to shoot from them. Turns out I'm naturally pretty good at it. Those were some tough times, but good, good times. Sad that in 1889, that gang ended how most gangs did back then with a pile of corpses and the remnants running for their lives. The rest will have to wait. I don't want to keep Dimitri waiting any longer. Walking into the side entrance of Orchestra Hall, I'm immediately accosted by Mr. Finley, the stage manager. The only thing artistic about him is the weird scarf he's always wearing, and even then, the scarf is brown. Cutting it a little close, aren't we, Tori? Show hasn't started yet. Do you think Dmitry Kabaleski is going to be pissed that I only showed up <gasps> on time? <gasps> oh no, is he here? Mr. Kavalevsky is not here, for he is dead. <laughs> Didn't stop me. What? What? Oh, the show's about to start. Please just be ready for curtains up. Ha. You be ready to collect my roses during the curtain call. Okay, Mr. Finley? I maybe should have mentioned before, my night job is first chair violinist for the Metropolitan Orchestra. It's a great gig for a vampire, because the shows are always in the early evening, and if you can sight-read music well enough, you don't need to rehearse. (laughs) Turns out, after 80-plus years of playing an instrument, you get pretty good at all that. I take my seat on stage and grab a moment to look around the venue. Orchestra Hall on Woodward is a classy place in a shitty part of town. Hope the revitalization pays off. This is a great venue to play. Hard to believe it was almost torn down to build a hamburger joint. And just like that, the show begins. Violin Concerto in C, Opus 48 by Dmitry Kabalevsky. 
It's not as respected a piece as it should be. <sighs> Maybe that's why I like it so much. I quickly get into the flow of the music and let my senses get overtaken by the moment. I can see the sounds of my violin spin into colors and shapes and fill the room with glorious emotion. Each extended vibrato rippling like the bottom of a waterfall. Each staccato cutting the air like a rapier in a fencing match. I blink and suddenly I hear applause. <sighs> the show must be over already. I was so lost in the music that time stood still and nothing else mattered. That's who we are, I suppose. I stand and, and take a bow, wave to the crowd, and take leave of the hall. There's a cab waiting for me outside to take me on my nightly rounds. Now look, I'm not worried about taking care of myself out there, but when a Malkavian in town runs a taxi service and offers all Camarilla kindred free rides whenever forever, <laughs> you'd be the crazy one not to say yes. Evening, miss. Where to tonight? Take me near the Ambassador Bridge. I've got some sightseeing to do. Sure thing. Oh yeah, check the pocket in front of you. Boss left you a present. I pull open the seat pocket to find a manila envelope with a picture of a bow drawn on it. To Tori from Oswald. Okay, so it's a gift. It's probably for me. May as well open it. Inside is a single 8 by 11 picture. My gaze narrows and my body freezes in places I realize who I'm looking at. I flip the picture over and perfectly written are the words, Club Sepulchre, one hour ago. A driver, change of plans, please. Take me to Club Sepulchre instead and put a little lead in getting me there. Sure thing, miss. Okay, at this point, you may be wondering how a gunslinging outlaw from Texas found her way into being a violin-playing socialite in Detroit. Well, that can be answered in one word. Harrison. Okay, that, that won't make any sense without a little background, so here's the quickish version. After the gang <clears throat> split up, I offered my services as a gun for hire. <laughs> It was tough, because no matter how much I proved my toughness and marksmanship, the people with money thought I was a joke and typically only wanted something else out of me. After bumping around that life for a while, barely scraping by, I caught the eye of a sideshow promoter. Come one, come all, and bear witness to a spectacle the likes of which you've never seen before. You've already seen wild animal acts, insane feats of aerial acrobatics, and deformed bodies. But inside this tent, I present to you the greatest marksman this world has ever seen. My marksman can shoot the flame off a candle at 20 paces, 
can shoot the apple off a child's head at 30 and can even knock a tin can off a moving swing with a pistol from 50 yards away. And want to know the most interesting thing about my marksman? It's a girl! That's right, she can shoot better than any man in the world, despite her natural handicap. Step right in, no rushing please, we have seats available for one and all. Okay, look, times were different at the start of the century. It was good, honest money, and I only had to eat a little shit to get it. I'd hear the jeers when I'd take center stage, but after my first trick shot, the loudest doubters realized that they could be next in my sights if they weren't polite. This is where Harrison came into the picture. He was tall, rich, had a presence that couldn't be resisted. I fell for him immediately, and we shared many a passionate night (laughs) until dawn began to break, and then he'd be gone. Okay, it's probably not hard to figure it out now, but he was a vampire from Clan Toreador, and he saw my prodigious talents with a gun to be worthy of entry into the clan. (laughs) The night my show was about to leave town, he made me an offer. You are such a gift. You must be saved for the world forever. Will you leave this life and join me forever by my side, traveling the world in search of beauty and perfection in all of its forms? Fuck yeah, I will. Okay, look, I'm not proud of my response there. Kind of embarrassing to look back on that now, kind of like a high school yearbook picture. Anyways, he embraced me that night, and that was the last time I saw the sun. We set off for a world of adventure that went on for decade after decade, until it didn't. Anyways, the person in the picture I saw earlier is a known Canadian Sabbath contact named Wyatt, who isn't hostile himself, but if he's in town, it isn't for a good reason. And if he's at Club Sepulchre, he needs a conversation. A few run red lights later, and I arrive at the club. It's fine if you're into overly on-the-nose vampire shit. The goth kids who come here would lose their minds if they knew what this place was actually about. I told one once, for fun. (laughs) No shit, he actually started crying. (laughs) I get two steps in the door before the manager, some asshead suit ghoul named Brutus, gets in my face. What is it with mediocre men invading my space tonight? Good evening and welcome to Club Sepulchre. We want to be as accommodating as possible to patrons such as yourself. Now tell me, are you here tonight for business or pleasure? Now this is hospitality. The manager of the whole club takes the time to talk to little old me? No. I know I should feel welcomed by your presence, but I can't help but feeling, um, not that. Not to worry, here at Club Sepulchre, we aim to assist every guest in finding the experience they are looking for. Even the ones who bring violence with them wherever they go. So nice to be thought of. Now tell me, 
Have you seen someone named Wyatt skulking around here tonight? I'm not familiar with anyone by that name. Let me check my records and I'll let you know. A mere formality, but I must ask, did you bring a weapon in with you tonight? I thought this outfit was tight enough, but now I'm second-guessing everything. Unless, of course, you think that I've got a weapon hidden up there. (laughs) Okay, give me your hand. Let's go. Let's go exploring. That will not be necessary. Thank you. Allow me a moment to check with security about this Wyatt fellow. In the meantime, please enjoy a complimentary special elite beverage from our VIP bar just over there. I was about to go with some line about flipping a table when something unmistakable in the VIP bar caught my eye. There's only one soul who'd be wearing a bright red puffy jacket in a place like this. (laughs) DJ Max Stylus. A gifted musician without question. Sweet as a pineapple (laughs) and about as aware as one. I nodded to Brutus and sneaked my way to the corner table where Max was slumped over one of those aforementioned special beverages. I don't see the point in picking the darkest place to sit when you're wearing the brightest jacket in all of known creation. Hey, I still can't believe your clan lets you call yourself Tori. There are no rules for us anymore. We are who we want to be. And right now, I want to be Tori. It's a little audacious though, isn't it? Hey, audacious is my middle name. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is it? It could be if I want it. Bless his heart. He needs so much help, which I've known for about four years now. Uh, Do I dare to dream that you're here just to see my show tonight? Oh shit, he's playing here tonight. I really need some ghouls to keep me up to date on shit like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to be here tonight to see if you'd screw it up. <laughs> kidding. You'll do great. And I promise you, you have my full attention. Till I don't? Till you don't. I suppose that's all I could have hoped for. It makes sense to have reasonable expectations. Fuck. I want to just pinch his little cheeks and let him know that everything's going to be okay. But I have to remember, he's not my clan. Not my coterie. Not my concern. And even if he is, as much as I want to scream, I have to play it cool right now. The club manager is trying to get my attention, so I use one of my quick-move celerity tricks to yank the drink out of Max's hand. Ugh. You can't taste the anemia in that? Ugh. This place used to have higher standards. Okay. Good luck. I zip away from the table and back to the miserable club manager. Tell me you've got something for me, Chief. The man you're looking for is confirmed to be here. He seems to keep alternating between the dance floor and a sidebar, one floor above, overlooking everything. It appears as if he's looking for somebody up there, but hasn't found them yet. Which sidebar is it? Go down one floor and turn left. Look for the neon sign with the bleeding pentagram. Jeez, y'all really do go for it here, don't you? It's an underground gothic club for kindred. The lady would prefer tiki torches and Christmas lights? Now, if there is nothing else, I would like to get back to things that matter. I turn him off away. He doesn't need a goodbye, and I don't need to look at his uptight ass another second anyways. The bar is easy enough to find. I sit myself down and prepare to wait. Just then, the music changes to something that's actually tolerable. Max's show must have started, but I can't see the floor well from the table I chose. Uh, sound. It's 
raw yet powerful, with a primal thumping that psychologically devolves the listener. The depth isn't there yet, but with a few decades for him to work on his craft and emerging technologies to back it up, the star is bright for my boy. I'm jerked from the moment suddenly by this figure snapping his fingers in my face. Hey, you listening to me? I said you gotta get out of here. I refocus my eyes and see that the figure is Skid the Caitiff. The fuck? This is a joke, right? Like, you actually rehearsed in front of a mirror and timed out the beats. There are people here who don't want you anywhere near this place. I'm here to see that they get what they want. He seems serious enough, but like, why? These caitiff want nothing more than to get respect from literally anyone. But how is getting tossed aside like a chastity bow gonna help his cred? Someone is fucking with him, and he really, really wants to believe they aren't. I'm gonna just sass him and see if he gets some clarity. So, all these people around us, they're trying to avoid a violent incident tonight, yes? I guess so. <laughs> okay, and they sent the weakest, most pathetic kindred in the whole city to try to intimidate his way into making that happen. Now wait a minute. It's then that I see him walk into the bar. Wyatt. He takes a few steps in and sees Skid's dumbass, then sees me. Our eyes meet for a second, and then he turns and bolts from the bar. I get up off my seat to give chase. Hey, I'm not done talking to you! Skid grabs my arm and exerts a force I did not know him to be capable of. The fuck? It doesn't matter. Wyatt is on the move, and I cannot let him disappear into the night. I don't have time for this shit. I pull out my 44 Magnum I had concealed, call upon my speed once again, and fire six shots in the skid at point-blank range. He'll be fine. Probably. Rushing out of the bar, I follow the path Wyatt must have taken. It's easy to follow someone when you know they only have one direction to go. Up. I push my way through the crowd, up a couple of flights of stairs, and take the first unmarked door to the outside I can find. Wyatt clearly didn't have an escape route planned as the path leads to the roof. I throw open the door and sure enough, see him treed on the corner of the building. Wyatt, you son of a bitch. You had to know that if you crossed into the States, I was gonna find you. Oh, come on! I ain't done nothing to you or your clan. I'm just trying to take care of some business here and then I'll be gone, won't I? You're a savage ghoul hanging out in Camarilla territory, and oh, oh, you made the brilliant choice to grace an appearance at the hotspot for kindred in the city. I work for you Camarilla folks too. But you also work for them. I'm gonna ask you one question, and then we'll see where we go from there. <sighs> what do you want to know? Is he still in Windsor? Is he still, uh, who? Denver. Is Denver still with the Sabbath crew we kicked out? Don't play dumb. I know they're just on the other side of the border planning something awful, so... Is. He. There. Yes, he's still with that crew. Are they making a move into the city anytime soon? Look, it's not like they let me in on their plans. I don't know, I swear. You mentioned having some business. Why the hell would you risk showing up here? I lost something, and I'm trying to get it back. Go on. Some sort of mystical weapon. 
Zane and his crew across the bridge wanted it, and I was supposed to be the courier to bring it to them. I fucked up, obviously, because I thought coming through the city in the middle of the day would work. But no, I was pulled over short of the border and had my package confiscated. I know that showing up in Windsor without the package was not going to end well. That crew does not fuck around. So when I got a message telling me to come back here to get my package back, I took the shot. A message? From who? Dunno. But didn't have anything else to go on, did I? You don't know who sent the message? Today was just your lucky day? My kindness is starting to wane. I take a few steps towards him. He backs up to the edge of the roof. The guard wall only comes up to his waist. He turns and peers over the side, no doubt looking for something soft to land on. I can't risk his jumping, not with so many people around, so I call upon my speed once again and grab him by the jacket and the back of the neck. Wait, holy shit, that's it. That's what? The package is tied to the back of that shitty motorbike down there. I look down and see what appears to be something wrapped up in paper grocery bags on the back of... Oh, shit. That's Max's bike. Oh, and that's Max. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. God, he's headed for bad times. Ah, oh, can you get me my package back? This isn't about you, asshole. Now, I've got somewhere else to be, but if you ever show your face back here in the city, you'd better come find me first, because I got more to talk to you about. And with that, I leave his sorry ass on the roof to think about all his terrible choices. I don't know where Max is going, but I've got to try and find him before... before there's nothing else I can do. The night is young and still full of promise. I'm Jim Fisher. This is Dark Skies, and we have a few more callers lined up who want to share their stories. Caller, I understand someone was in your house? It's more than that, Jim. Well, go ahead. Tell us what happened. Yeah, uh, the day felt pretty normal. I felt exhausted at around 9, which is a little early, but, you know, I just went ahead and went to bed early. I don't know why I was tired, but, um... Like I said, the day was pretty normal. Anyways, I can't explain how, but my body tensed up and told me that I had to wake up right now. You know, one of those fight or flight emergency feelings. So you're in bed, you suddenly wake up, what'd you see? There was this figure next to the bed standing over me. He was pale and his skin glowed even in the dark. His chin was covered in in something dark. Like a beard? No, no, no. It was uneven and flat against his face. Anyways, I I gasped, right? Because that would startle anyone. And he seemed surprised to see me awake because he put his hand over my mouth. Did you cry out? I wanted to, but he stared me straight in the eye and told me I was dreaming and I needed to go back to sleep. Crazy thing was, for some reason, I agreed with him and just rolled over. So you sure it wasn't just a dream, a 
night terror maybe. Our brains can play tricks on us, especially during those late hours. I want to believe that, Jim, but in the morning, my window is open. I get allergies, so my window is never left open at night. Plus, there were a couple of drops of blood on my sheets. Seemed pretty fresh. I see. What does all this mean? Are, are there some weirdo Satanists out there or something that you might have heard of? I mean, there are, but this doesn't sound like one of them. This sounds like something else. Thank you for sharing your story. You, you might want to reinforce those windows. What do you think, folks? A bad dream? A prank, maybe? It's a story so similar to others we've heard, but different in its own way. If anything like this feels familiar, just give old Jim a call here at WCRG. This is Dark Skies, and I want everyone to be a little extra safe out there tonight. We'll be right back. Miss, you want me to stop anywhere in particular? We've been out here driving aimlessly for an hour now. Just keep rolling past any lots or parking garages you can find. If I'm lucky, he's meeting someone at one of his usual spots around here. For sure, we can do that. I need to stop for a sec, though, and refuel. Running out of gas already? I mean, I'm going to fill back up, sure. But I mean for me. I need a pop or something. I'm fading a little over here. We really don't have time for that. Forgive me, but we don't even know where we're going, and nobody's getting anywhere if I fall asleep at the wheel. I'm going to just pull in here, and it'll just take a minute. I hate it, but the cabbie's got a point. If we really don't have anywhere to go, it doesn't matter how fast we don't get there. We've been past all the places around Corktown that I know of, and nothing. I guess there's a chance he's gone home, but that just doesn't seem likely. It all becomes irrelevant quickly, though, as the first round shatters the back of the cab. Oh, shit! I'm out of here! Wait, you've got the keys! The cabbie ran off, leaving me in the back of the cab covered in broken glass. I couldn't tell where the shot was fired from, so I ducked down deep in the seat, opened both doors, and popped down low outside the cab. A second shot rips through the night air and hits the roof of the cab. I gotta get out of here fast before one of these shots gets creative and hits the pump. Thankfully, fast is something I can do. I pull from within and get ready to move as quickly as I can across the street and around the corner. Third shot rings out, putting a hole in the open door of the cab, but thankfully, missing me. It's time to make my move. I blaze around the car, zigzagging my pattern with blistering celerity. Another shot fires. <laughs> Not even close. One more time for funsies. Way ahead of me. Looks like I got lucky today and my would-be sniper sucks at shooting. I duck around the corner and the shooting ceases. <sighs> Did they lose sight of me? Give up? See the cops? My mind races with possibilities. Then I hear it. I feel the blast briefly push me backwards. What the shit was that? It's from the opposite direction that the sniper was, so I don't think it's related to that. But that doesn't really matter. It's time to get off the streets. Max is just gonna have to take care of himself tonight. Lord willing, we'll find a way. I duck into the first open bar I can find and quickly convince one of the patrons to give me a lift home. 
I make my haven in a loft apartment in the heart of the city. It's pretty industrial looking, sure, but it's a standard higher than that abandoned looking dump that the Tremere use for a chantry, so at least I've got that. I arrive to find a man in a suit standing out front. He wears the insignia of the prince, so I know he expects a word. Miss Dory, Prince McMaster's requests an audience with you on urgent business. It's a little late in the night for a summoning, isn't it? Yes, of course. My orders are to bring you to him if night allows. If not, I am to stand guard for you through the day and accompany you first thing tomorrow night. Oh, I have a gentleman caller. Hmm. What is a girl to wear to a forced encounter with a powerful man? I'm assuming I can't say no here. It would be advised to accept the prince's summoning and hospitality. Oh, hospitality. He knows I'm not going to fuck him, right? Miss Tori, please. Dawn grows near. Jeez, just tell me to shut up next time. <laughs> eh, that'd probably be a bad idea for you. Stick with the polite usher thing you got going on here. I'm going to go inside and try to forget today ever happened. Why would the prince want to see me? Sure. I blew out a caitiff's midsection in full view of other people, and yeah, I almost threw a well-connected ghoul off the roof. But I haven't actually done anything bad tonight. At least not bad enough to warrant a response so quickly. I can't waste time thinking about that. I'll find out soon enough. Oh, shit, Max. I hope you're okay. Hey, you've reached the hottest DJ on the planet. That's right, it's me, DJ Max Stylus, and I'm bringing sounds like you don't even know. How long is this stupid greeting? So if you want to book me for your club, festival, I don't know, wedding? Yeah, that's a thing. Then, uh, yeah, leave me a message and I'll be sure to hit you back. Wolfpack? Oh! Ugh, why would you say that? Wolfpack? Come on, man, get your... Hey, Max, it's Tori. Uh, just wanted to say great set tonight. Can't wait for the next one. <laughs> um, give me a call when you get this. I, I just want to know if, um, if you're happy with the show. I got notes. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> okay, be safe. Talk to you soon. I wake up the next evening and get moving. I take one step out of my loft and there's a gift left outside my door. It's my violin case with a bow on it. Oh shit, and all the commotion, I left it in the cab last night. I bring it in and make a quick mental note to miss the next Malkavian I'm shooting at. Gotta pay this kindness forward, you know? I trust you're ready to see the prince now? You bet, bucko. Let's go see what his majesty needs from me. I do aim to please after all. Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. Reclaim Detroit was created, written by, and edited by Ray Stacanis. Music and sound mixing by Sean Gould. Featuring Jen Kane as Tori. Also featured in this episode, Jonathan Coop, Philip Wilburn, Rachel J. Wilkinson, Matt Harbert, George Kaliotis, Rama Valuri, Atul Singh, Robert Clark Chan, Ray Stacanis, and John Ryan Benavides. 
Portions of the materials are the copyrights and trademarks of Paradox Interactive AB and are used with permission. All rights reserved. For more information, please visit worldofdarkness.com. To learn more about the show, go to vampiredetroit.com or find us on Twitter at Vampire Detroit. <laughs>